Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good day, good day, good day to all of my international listeners out there. This is your host for Here's Teresa. Teresa E. Keeves, and I am so happy to be talking to you guys. I miss talking uh, with you, and I pray that your day is going fantastic. It's a beautiful day that God has given us, and I'm so thankful for who and what I have and who I am and who I continue to evolve into moving forward and upward in my life. I am so grateful, listeners, and so thankful for my family and that I get to complete things that were left unfinished for whatever the reason that I am in my right mind and I love God, myself, and peace and happiness, and I want the best for myself and others. So listeners, having said all of that, I pray that you guys out there are mimicking the same, and I hope that your day is getting off to a great start. Okay, the weather, the weather, the weather. It's so dang on hot here, um, you know, in the Southwest, and I was just talking um with my fabulous listener, Dave, shout out to Dave about uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and, you know, parts of Texas that's going to be experiencing the uh, hurricanes. And I was just noticing, um, you know, as I'm looking out the window, that it's uh, cloudy here. Typically, the sun is shining brightly and things like that. But, um, you know, um, it, it whatever affects one here in this country, it affects, you know, the other parts. So, you know, uh, but we have to deal with it. You know, like, what can we do? Is this important to continue to live our lives? You know what I'm saying? But it also should be noted that global warming is real and it is having an effect on our environment. And there are things, you know, listeners that that we can do and they don't talk about it enough, you know, to uh, reduce the, you know, the high carbon emissions, for example, you know, be big on recycling, definitely using abundance of less (laughs) <laughs> use less plastics and you know there's just a lot that can be done um to uh, augment the effects of, of what we're seeing now so i'm sure you all know that so i want to say go u.s soccer team for winning again you know now i hope that um you know uh the team and and uh any woman's sports team receive the same pay that men are getting <laughs> in and look and out of sports arena okay but congratulations again to the women's U.S. soccer team. Now, listeners, I want to talk quickly about, um, you know, Duke, uh, uh, the Duchess and uh, Harry and, and Meghan. Now, this past weekend, they had their baby Archie's christening and they showed some pics of their son, Archie, who, by the way, is so cute and adorable. Now, the public um, over there in London uh, has, you know, is consistently and and here in this country, they're consistently saying horrendous things about the couple, in particular, Duchess Megan. Uh, for example, they wanted to see the baby because they stated that the couple used three million dollars of the taxpayers money to refurbish their home, Frogmore Cottage. And therefore, they should see the baby whenever they want. And the parents, you know, basically should have nothing to say but obliged by them. And um, they bother her about so many unnecessary and stupid and unwarranted things, listeners. Like there was a recent article that that I was uh, that I saw that came through my phone, 
And um, it started off saying, you know, does Megan wear, ex- you know, hair extensions? Really? Now, just how stupid is that? You don't have anything else to do in your life but sit there and conjure up in your mind uh, silly things. Now, just why is this, listeners? Well, why they continue to bother this this uh, beautiful couple and especially Megan? Well, my thing is this. There has been and continues to be so much racial nastiness thrown her way and you know so that the queen and her step and her staff had to step in and deal with it because it's so bad and it's 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 just unwarranted it is is it because you know she's so pretty and smart she's a kind individual she's a humanitarian as well as you know that harry and she shares the same ideas and that he wants to protect her because he remembers what happened to his mother with the paparazzi chasing and things like that. And I understand that the paparazzi, you know, have to make their living and things. I understand that, but it don't, doesn't have to be, you know, so brutal, brutal and aggressive. And, you know, and they just want to live as normal as possible of the life uh, of their life, in spite of the fact that, you know, they know that they are, you know, in this royal family. They understand that. But here's my last question. Or is it simply because she is a dynamic woman of color who is now in the royal family. Now, after all of that, I stated, I say that it is about the latter question. Okay, listeners, we are going to have a fantastic show. My guest is going to be Terry Griffith. She is a friend to the show. She is an attorney and she is an activist. And she and I are going to be talking about some um, hot topics. And they're going to be very, 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 very interesting like that person in the White House used the word very, very, very um, interesting and educational and um, and conversational. So please uh, stay tuned to me as this is going to be good. Now, I have a question out here for you. Did you all hear this story? This is being reported by Ryan Pryor and Amanda Watts on July 10th from CNN. And it says drivers stopped on an Atlantic on an Atlanta interstate to grab $175,000 in cash that fell out of an armored truck. Well, the story states while the truck was um, uh, was making it rain, drivers pulled over to join a literal cash grab. The armored truck company estimated the unattended gift at 175000 according to the Dunwoody Police Department. Now, those drivers passed, uh, uh, you know, got out of their cars, listener, and, and shot video of cars and trucks pulling over with people jumping out to try to scoop up bills blowing in the wind. About 8 p.m., police responded to 911 calls that more than 15 vehicles had stopped on the busy interstate to pick up money that had fallen off an armored uh, vehicle truck. Now, the armored car crew said that the side door came open while they were driving and money spilled out until 285, Dunwoody police said in a statement. Officer said the truck crew gathered up a few hundred dollars that was still there when officer, officers arrived, but plenty was taken. Now, the thing is that it's a crime to hold on to cash from, you know, an armored vehicle. Now, the exuberant videos that people posted as the cash danced in the air are now doubling as evidence. Police are checking social media videos to find the drivers with sticky fingers. 
Now, Sergeant Robert Parsons, uh, who is the spokesman for the Dunwoody Police Department, stated, stated that we have uh, plenty of social media video, some of which seems to have tagged numbers to follow up on. But we really want people to come in, turn in the money and go on about their life without worrying about when the police are coming to find them. He noted that one man turned in twenty one hundred dollars. That was good. And another handed over five hundred dollars that he picked up on the highway. That was good as well. So now my question to you out there, listeners, is what would you do in this situation? Would you get out your car and turn the monies found on found? You know, would you turn the monies that you found in or would you think like, oh, well, the armored car crew should have been more careful and none of this would have happened. Okay. Yeah. They should have been more diligent in making assurances that that door was locked. However, is that your responsibility to capitalize on someone else's mistake? Now I could tell you what I would do is that I would not get out my car and join in with the crowd picking up money that's swirling in the air, you know, um, whether they are picking up the cash with thoughts of turning it in or not. I'm not going to join that crowd. I would call and report what I saw in order to help the company recover, recover their monies and move along taking care of my business in my life. So now some of you out there may say, yeah, yeah, Teresa, yeah, right. Hey, and whatever to you. Look, here, here's the thing. This is what I'm saying, listeners, okay? I do not want something that does not belong to me. I did not rightfully earn it, and therefore it is not mine to take. So my question to you, my listeners out there, is what would you do? So I think this would be a good discussion with your coworkers and your family and friends and see what their take would be on it. I bet it would be an, an interesting conversation, uh, to say the least. Okay. Now let me, um, let's jump into our, our dinner table conversation. Now, my dinner table conversation is something that I, I, I have talked about this before on, um, other programs, but I, um, never put it into a dinner table conversation suggestion. And this is about pushing yourself to succeed in personal and business life. Do you have any regrets in your life? What at this point in time in your life do you want to do? I'm saying to push yourself in a direction to succeed always. Now, here are two things to most definitely remember as you are going through the push of success in your life. And they are Bishop T.D. Jakes, who's one of my favorite, said misery comes from wasted opportunities in life. Now, what he means by this is that, you know, people oftentimes um feel down, you know, they feel miserable. They're thinking, oh, this is not going to happen for me, you know. And um, he's just saying, you know, that people basically who are miserable uh, is because they have wasted opportunities in their life and they need to get with that and deal with that. And so that they can move on to become what it is that God whispered in their ear to become. Steve Harvey, who I also um, admire, says that the killer of misery is gratitude. 
when you get up in the morning or throughout the course of the day, always say out loud or within yourself what you are grateful for. I'm grateful for myself that I think and do the right things is what I just talked about uh, with the money being spilled out on Highway 285 in Atlanta. I'm grateful for my for my spouse that uh, we love each other, that we are working together to have the best and and the, and I'm grateful for my children and my home. I'm grateful for my body. I'm grateful that I'm in my right mind, you know. So this is what I'm saying. Surround yourself with movers and shakers, you know, people who are the head and not the tail. You know, they are the lender and not the borrower. Don't be one of these people who are sitting on the front porch or back porch or around at the dinner table conversing with others saying they wish they would have, they could have, they should have earlier in their life. Be proactive and positively vigilant in going after what you want to accomplish in life with all fours. Be happy. It starts with yourself because you cannot make someone else happy if you are not happy. Remember, you can give someone something you ain't got. Now, this is something that I have talked about. I have mentioned this, you know, several times on my show. Say, for example, if you, excuse me, wish to borrow $5,000 and all the person that you're um, asking, you know, may I, you know, Sam, I need 5,000. May I borrow 5,000? And all he has is 500. The whole premise of this is that you can't, Someone can give you something that they ain't got and vice versa. You can give somebody that you ain't got, whether it's business or whether it's good advice or whatever it is. You can't do that. Now, as I was um, listening to um, um, and reading um, some articles on LinkedIn, actually, I came across this gentleman by the name of Gary Vanderchuk. He is the CEO of Vanner Media, and he is a five-time New York Times bestselling author who has a posting on LinkedIn, and he said that he want, uh, you know, he went to talk to people who are in their 90s, and I found this to be, you know, very interesting. And um, and he said that they talked about regret, regret, and regret. He said they talked about things that they wish they did in their lives. He said um, that uh, I wish, he, he said that that he also said that they talked about I wish a lot. And that was their opening lines. And he also says that the biggest poison to us in our life is regret. He also says, stop making excuses. Stop complaining that nobody is listening. He says the market doesn't care to hear about your complaints. They want to hear about resolutions. There's only one person you need to make happy. And that's you. Then you can make others happy. When you're happy, if you're in business, your business will roll. If you're happy, your family will be much more aspired to do things and and things will be so much better between you, your spouse and your children. Something else he also said that I really liked was how you make your money is more important than how much you make. Did you guys get that? I'm going to repeat that. How you make your money is much more important than how much you make. Now, he says he liked making other people happy. 
because he's already happy. Okay? He has a book titled, What You Can Learn from a 90-Year-Old. Okay? I have not purchased the book. Um, as I'm, I'm, I'm still finishing up Michelle Obama's book, which by the way is still the bestseller. But let me give you these questions to ask during your dinner table conversations. After you discuss the thing about do you have any regrets, interject these questions if you choose to. What's your poison? Remember I said that the, the author Gary Vanderchuk said that your poison is regrets. He says, is it regret or something else? If so, what is it? Open up the dialogue. Do you believe, do you believe regret is a poison? If not, explain it. Are you poisoning yourself? Are you positioning yourself? I'm sorry. Are you positioning yourself for success? In other words, are you surrounding yourself with the best people? And the best things, um, you know, so that you can be successful in your life. And do you surround yourself with successful people if that is what you are striving for? Now, as sad as it may say, listeners, a lot of people are very, you know, happy with where they are. And if that is, if that is the case, then this conversation is not for you. What I'm talking to are people who are in the midst and or thinking about and or planning on having, um, you know, um, you know, success um, in their life. And they need to maybe perhaps have some tools of how they can, you know, go about doing it. So I see that it is a good thing to position yourself around successful people. This is something that I have done. Um, you know, throughout my career, throughout my life, I, I want to be around people who are movers and shakers. I don't want to be around people who are not, um, uh, doing anything, uh, not going anywhere, don't have any aspirations and or who are not going to help me in my quest for success. Okay. So that is my dinner table conversation. And I hope that you guys, um, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll take heed to that. And as I always say, if this is not a conversation, um, that you want to talk about at your dinner table, then please, by all means, come up with the topic of your own and discuss it because the whole premise of this is to get everyone together collectively so that people can stop eating their dinners out of bags up in their rooms. And people can come together at the table as a family and discuss issues in their life. Okay. Thank you for listening to that, listeners. I am going to bring on my guest. I'm very excited to have her here. Her name is Terry Griffith. She is a friend to the show, and she is a friend of mine. She is a dynamic attorney and a fantastic activist. Thank you, Terry, for joining me today. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Very hot in the uh, Midwest. Yeah. I was um, telling um, uh, my listeners and Dave that here right now, here right now, that the weather is um, cloudy. And I know it's because of what's going on in Louisiana. 
I'm thinking that, you know, just because the weather is bad in one part of the country doesn't mean that it's not going to affect other parts of the country. And as I said before, shout out to all of those that are, you know, dealing with all of that rain and flood and stuff down there. I hope that they're all safe. Okay, Terry, are we ready to get started with the conversations? I'm ready. All right, here we go. I want to say this first, Terry. Do you think that it is fair game that individuals past behaviors should be used as a determining point related to their character for choosing the best presidential nominee and why? I want to start with first with the premise is that history is used to predict the future. However, I think there are issues. I think a person's personal life doesn't necessarily dictate what a good leader they will be. Um, in the rest of the world, they look at Americans as not being very bright because we look at the personal lives of our elected leaders. For example, mm-hmm. had we looked at the personal life of FDR, who had a mistress on the side? If we looked at the personal life of uh, John F. Kennedy, who had many mistresses, um, we would we would have been deprived of those two leaders. But I blame the media for digging up dirt in this Jerry Springer mentality. Um, mm-hmm. with, I think that also we can't believe everything that's being published by the media and statements that are being made by people, you know, pertaining to incidents that happened 20 years ago, allegedly, which makes it almost impossible to, to defend yourselves against somebody who's claiming you did something 20 years ago. Number one, it's mm-hmm. not the same person. Number two, how do you defend yourself to a 20-year-old client accusation? So I think that's a difficult yeah. question. It is a difficult question, but I I, I thought that I would, um, you know, use that this morning because this is a, a, it was a conversation that you and I had recently, and I thought it would make good conversation uh, for, you know, for um, uh, the listeners is that because then the reason, also the reason that I'm bringing it up is because there's so much of it um, that's going on now that particularly in the wake of a, uh, you know, the upcoming election. And, and I'm, and I'm definitely hitting, hitting on the manner in how Kamala Harris, you know, went after Joe Biden and, um, you know, during the last, um, uh, Democratic, uh, debate and, uh, the things that, that were said and so forth. And she was exclaiming how hurt she was and, that, you know, because of the busing and that he was for the busing and so forth and so on, which I'm, you know, what I'm saying about that, and I, I, I know that I discussed this on a previous show, um, is that, you know, if you're going to talk about things like that, you need to also explain the history behind it. Don't just give a one-sided or just a little part of it, you know. I also don't believe that, you know, although it, it, it seemed to have been fa- fashionable, Started with uh, that person in the White House that slaves built, and they're they're you know calling each other names and you know acting like a schoolyard uh, bully and very and acting very immature. So you know I thought that this would be um, it is a it is a difficult question. Um, uh, I think that if there's something that needs to be brought up that may 
uh, if if an individual is running for for office and it's something that that needs to be brought up like I don't know were they brought up on murder charges or whatever <laughs> you know maybe that should be brought up but then the thing too Terry is is like you're saying how do you prove that you know because people say things you know and I don't want to you know I say my things about you know about the about the media I think that they could be a whole lot better than than they are. I think that they could report on things better than they are. I think that than they do. I think that they also could, you know, go after, um, you know, Trump and his administration with more valid questions than than they do. So, yeah. Well, the problem so with I, going after somebody personally is you divert the attention from the real issues. So I'm mm-hmm. not ever impressed, and I don't think the American public should be when somebody attacks somebody on a personal. Personally, without, I didn't hear what her platform is, but as far as uh, Kamala Harris, she hurt the Democrat Party. And I think the Democrat Party putting, uh, you know, they make the same mistake election after election, and they're losing, the Democrat Party is losing its, you know, party affiliates or the people who belong to the party. And I hear over and over, I never left the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party left me. Fifteen people in a debate tearing each other apart and they're all from the same party is almost handing the election to Trump yet again. It makes no sense. The Democrat Party needs to pull together, select a few. There should be a few running on a platform, not Democrats attacking Democrats. That's exactly what happened. You know, it just makes no sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. They got all these uh, hundreds of people in there, like 24 or 35,000, whatever. Uh, one person, Swalwell, dropped out. And then some other person uh, comes in because he thinks that he's all of that in the bag. Just because I was the first person uh, that said that Donald Trump should be impeached. No, you weren't the first person and you're not going to be the last person. But, you know, it's uh, oh, my God, it's just ridiculous. It is it's ridiculous. Okay, let's go on to the next um to the next point. CBS News is reporting, um, uh, Terry, that Kamala Harris and um Alexander, you know, AOC teamed up on housing on a housing bill. Now this is being reported by Stephanie Ramirez on July tenth, twenty nineteen. And it states in part the following that Kamala Harris is teaming up with uh representative, representative Alexia Ocasio Cortez to introduce a new bill that would make it easier for people with criminal records to found to find housing. Now, you know, you being a fabulous attorney, I'm sure you you know about this. The bill dubbed the Fair Housing the Fair Chance at Housing Act of 2019 would define what can and cannot be legally scrutinized when those with a criminal record apply for federal housing assistance. Among other things, it would make it harder to evict tenants convicted of only one criminal offense, and it would prevent the eviction of family members who knew nothing of a guilty person's criminal acts. The bill comes as progressive groups are trying to restore ex-felons voting rights, Terry, and improve their job prospects. A number of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle also support giving judges greater sentencing leeway, limiting mandatory minimum sentence for certain drug-related offenses. Now, according to the data from the Department of Housing and Urban Development, roughly 100 million 
U.S. adults are estimated to have a criminal record of some kind. Ouch. A 2016 HUD memo stated, across the United States, African Americans and Hispanics are arrested, convicted, and incarcerated at rates disproportionate to their share of the general population. So Harris and Ocasio-Cortez bill would turn some recommendations made by HUD in 2016, Terry, into law. For example, it would be it would ban blanket one strike policies that allow tenants to be evicted for a single criminal incident, no matter how minor. The bill would also ban no fault policies, which allow an entire family to be evicted for criminal activity by guest of a household member, even if the member of the family had no knowledge that a criminal act had been committed. Your thoughts, Terry? Oh, this is so complicated. Okay. Um, the number one problem is we have a tort system, a personal injury system, that if, for example, a landlord rents to somebody with known criminal background, mm-hmm. and, for example, um, they rent to a child molester or a rapist or somebody who has one of those type of convictions, and they do it again within the rental premises, that means to a neighbor or a child, the landlord's on the hook if they knew Mm -hmm. about it or if If they they should have known about it. it. And so when the landlord's on the hook, that means there's a method for compensation for the new victim. So, And Mm -hmm. that's what our our country's built on, those principles of personal injury. So I see a problem there. Um, Mm -hmm. Number two, I agree they need to have housing, but... um, I don't think it's the government's place to go in and regulate that. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think the better it's better to try to deal with it early on. Perhaps um there's intervention or some sort of sentencing um um method they can use where a person does not pick up a conviction um if it's a one time offense, but I think for the government to legislate the private sector is moving into the wrong direction. And I, you know, frankly, um, it smacks of, you know, everything Cortez does smacks of, smacks of socialism. And it looks like Harris, not just on the housing bill, but there's a few other, um, issues in her platform that she's swinging to the, to the socialist, to the socialist, um, mm-hmm. ideology of Cortez. And, Mm-hmm. That's fracturing the Democrat Party, as we see. I mean, we have Pelosi and Cortez at each other's throats. This is killing mm-hmm. the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, see here, I, this is what I had said about um, Ocasio-Cortez in, in the beginning. You know, that, you know, I'm, I'm happy that she got in, that she was, you know, voted in and things like that. You know, she's she's a young uh, woman, but she's not that young and what she needs to do is to, to, you know, is to do her job, but at the same time, not try to come, not come in there, not try to, not come in there and thinking that she's the end all be all and that she's the, you know, the, you know, the big cheese and that she can tell Pelosi, who's been doing it practically all her life, you know, how things should run. You know, I, I, um, you weren't on my show at that time, but I, I did, uh, express my disdain for that when she got in there, and I don't, I'm, I don't know if you heard about this or not, Terry. How she uh, organized a sit-in in front of Pelosi's office, so she immediately went in there after Pelosi 
maybe she's thinking she's going to be, you know, the speaker she's of the grandstanding. I'm sorry? She's grandstanding. Exactly. You know, and I felt that that was very inappropriate, and I felt that that was also very uh, disrespectful to uh, well, Nancy Pelosi. Well, it shows the fact to the Democrat Party. But, you know, you said something well, earlier that's really interesting. Should we look at the past, uh, a person's past to, to, you know, and hold them accountable for it today? And I yeah. think there are times we do. For example, Kamala Harris, she's now mm-hmm. running as a progressive socialist Democrat. And, mm-hmm. this, for example, this housing bill, she's teamed up with Cortez. But as yes. the California Attorney General, she criminalized truancy, making it a crime for kids to be late and dragging them into court, late for school. And bringing them into the criminal justice system when we all know the criminal mm-hmm. justice system is disproportionately black and Latino. She also defended, um, or I'm sorry, she appealed to federal judges holding that the death penalty was unconstitutional. When we know that the death penalty is disproportionately black and Latino. You know, yes. So how exactly. can she now do a 180 and say I'm progressive? Well, see, this is what I, you know, the discussion that, um, you know, I had um, with um, my brother, Reginald Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist that I have on my show often. And I also had this discussion with my husband. Um, But, you know, this is this is what I'm saying, that in the in the in during the debate that she had with with Joe Biden, uh, Terry, you know, she she caught him off guard, you know, um, because this was the initial debate and everything and all of that crap was 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 practiced and so forth. And I totally agree with you because, you know, she's going to try to hurl a fireball at him. Well, he's got a big mega bomb that he can hurl at her ass. You know what I'm saying? Which is what you just said. And then hold on, folks. There's more. You know what I'm saying? So all you need to That's do is just true, go. But and- Joe Biden was not prepared. He never saw it coming. Yeah. And so, but however, however, I, I'm, I said it before. I am for Joe Biden. I will vote for Joe, Joe Biden because the, 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 the realistic thing is, is that we need to have somebody who can go in after this person in the White House that slaves built. We don't need anybody dilly dallying around, uh, teaming up with Ocasio Cortez and, and Bernie Sanders with all of that. It didn't work the last time, Terry, my listeners, and it's not going to work now. And, and, you know, and the fear is, is that they're going to fool around and let this, you know, this, 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 um, uh, 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 totalitarian want to be, be in there for four more damn years, you know, and, and it's, it, it's a shame and it would be their damn fault. What they need to do is get all of these people, had to bite my tongue, all of these people that's in there out. Now, I did hear this, Terry, and my listeners. That for the upcoming, for the next upcoming, um, debate, that they, that the Democratic Committee has, has, uh, imposed, um, harder, harder, um, you know, restrictions on them. If you don't have, uh, uh, you know, certain amount of money already accumulated, if you do not have, you know, this, uh, you know, certain amount of percentages of this and so forth and so on. I don't know the whole list that they presented, but this is what, this is what I heard, but, no, I totally, I totally agree with, with, with what you just said. I mean, how was she going to talk about something like that? And then, like I also said, too, is that, you know, she, you know, she was talking crap 
excuse me, Martin Luther King met with some of the some of the crazies, crazy segregationists and things. And the point of all of this is that, you know, I'm not inviting you to put your feet up under my table. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Terry? I'm not inviting well, you to Well, resolutions begin with dialogue, you know, did, so you still... Exactly. You, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. You have to sit down, and it's the only way to resolve anything is dialogue. I don't know how you begin the resolution without the dialogue. Exactly. So if you don't have a dialogue, we don't have to you know, uh, agree on everything. I'm not there to change your mind. You know, you can't, you you know, I told said this before, you can't no more change a person's mind than you picking him up and throwing him for a, a football field goal. You know, it's not going to be done. The thing is, is to come to some type of resolution so that everybody that's involved, because what's happening is hurting everybody. And if we could come to some type of resolution so that we can move on, because I'm just going to be plain, it's always some shit to resolve. And so the more shit that you get off your plate so that you can resolve the next pile of shit that's coming in, it's always going to be something. So, you know, yes, I'm sorry. I would like to see the Democrat Party sit back down to the table and give us the people um, and the members of that party their mission statement. Because I think they've lost their way. They need to sit back down and define the mission statement of the Democrat Party. Because Mm -hmm. it's not socialism. And if it's changed to socialism, then there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Democracy and socialism have no place in the same party. No. No. And I... I, I I agree with this. Now, a lot of people says that you hear people saying that, well, you know, um, Social Security is a socialist program and and they'll they'll name others. But for me, I don't think that's on the same wavelength. You understand what I'm saying, Terry? I do. You know, I don't think that's not on the same wavelength. That is a program that was divided. We pay into. <laughs> yeah, that we, we pay into that every Every um, every time you, you make a paycheck, we pay that into. And the reason that it was developed by Roosevelt is that uh, the main premise was that so that when you are no longer in the working field, that you can live your life out with dignity, you know, that you don't have to, you know, um, you know, uh, go for other programs or or, you know, live in a manner that you have not lived in all your life just because you're no longer in the everyday working world. And which I which I thought and still do think that it's a fabulous thing. But well, I, back I thought, then the alternative was the poorhouse. Exactly. Living exactly. with relatives so, or you ended up in a poorhouse. Poorhouse, exactly. Living on the corner, you know, or whatever. And this is that's what I said, you know, so that you can live your life out, you know, live it with dignity. Live your life out with dignity. You know, but yeah, they need to stop all of this. They're going back and forth. You know, and, and all of this kind of stuff, you know, you got Buttigieg, who's got a whole lot of fucking problems there in Indiana that he needs to deal with. He's so damn green. It's not funny. You know, he um, nobody is holding him accountable to the comment that he made to the woman of color when they had uh, had a um, a gathering, let's say, uh, with him uh, expressing their disdain for the uh, 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 police officer that that, you know, took another um, uh, black man's life 
And uh, he, she said to him, one of the women in the audience, Terry said that, you know, that I'm not going to vote for you. And he responded, you know, well, you know, I'm not asking for your vote. That was very dumb that he said. And as far as I'm concerned, if I were, you know, head of the Democrat committee or whatever like that, then that would be that would have been that for him. You know what I mean? I do. That was a very dumb comment. And I feel that that was a racist comment. And he's going to try to say, oh, it wasn't racist. The fuck if it wasn't racist. Yes, it was. Because you direct, you don't need, you don't need her vote. Okay, well, so, you know, it's like, it's not important. There's a whole lot of things that can be read in that one darn comment that he made. I don't, I don't, I don't need your vote. Oh, God. It's, it's, it's just a mess. Um, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, please just get behind who, you know, whoever, because really it's, it's, it's just such a waste. It's just such a waste. Okay, Terry, Bernie Sanders let's... is another socialist. Um, an yes. example of the health care, it sounds like a, a, in theory, this one-payer system and health care for all sounds like a good idea. However, there's nobody finding out how does socialist yep. health care work in other countries if they just go to Canada. And I have friends who are Canadian, and they come to the United States for their health care. They save their money and come here for operations because mm-hmm. their socialist health care does not work. They might mm-hmm. be on a list for months when they need a surgery sooner than that. So it yeah. just really doesn't work if they're saving their money and coming here. Um, what we need to do is hold the companies accountable for, uh, and I, you know, this is one of my pet peeves, but Walmart in one store may hire, they may employ 10 full-time uh employees and 50 mm-hmm. part-time so they don't have to pay benefits including health care so mm. i think we need to take a closer look at the companies who are exploiting the system what that means is then the taxpayers pay for that person's health care you know the same with the wall i we don't need a wall if we hold the companies and not just companies people accountable who hire illegal aliens with a felony conviction and mm-hmm. they will stop hiring them and then the it will deter the people crossing the border. And I do Mm -hmm. believe that has to be deterred because who's running that illegal immigration are the cartels. Mm -hmm. And those folks coming through the cartels are being victimized. The women and girls end up in sex trafficking. Um, You know, the, the crimes committed against these people coming in illegally are horrendous. And it needs Mm -hmm. to stop. And there's two ways to do it. Hold the cartels Mm -hmm. accountable Nobody gets to hire them if they're illegal without a, facing a felony conviction and deter that uh, illegal immigration coming across the border. We don't need a wall. No, exactly. Well, I'm going to say this, and I've said this, um, you know, many times, is that I don't believe in border walls. I don't believe in walls of any kind because because you should be free to move up, you know, move about this this planet. You know, as long as you're not what you're, you know, you just described a criminal murderer. As long as you do it legally. Exactly. A criminal murderer or anything like that and do it within the legal confines of whatever, you know, like you want to go and live in another country or, or whatever like that. Um, I, I definitely am a big proponent to right to citizenship. Uh, and we're going to talk about this too. This is, uh, this is a good segue into the next conversation. And I agree with what you, what you said. 
As I said before, and I've said this on my program, I don't believe in walls. It's very stupid. It doesn't work. Just look at the Great Wall of China. What happened with that? Okay, all of that work and effort and money and and time and all of that. And, and what and what happened? Nothing. It still didn't stop anything that that it was supposed to stop. You know. But yeah. So the so that's a good segue of going into the mess at the border. Now, um. I want to talk about, you know, the continuing disturbing stories, Terry, that are relating to the children and adults that are being detained at the border. You know, as you know, that the person in the White House that slaves build is the one who started the roundup of the children being separated from the parents. And that is ultimately why we're here now in this country having to deal with this shameful, tragic mess with children now being reported abused, not eating. Reports of death and molestation of some of the children that are being detained at the border as well. So this is a report from the Associated Press by Colleen Long on 17, uh, 2019, titled Treatment of Migrant Children is Child Abuse. The report says the chairman of a House committee says the treatment of children at the U.S.-Mexico border amounts to government-sponsored child abuse. That's what Representative Elijah Cummins says at a news conference before a hearing on conditions at the border facilities. Lawmakers say they're horrified by, you know, uh, that, you know, by a, 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 you know, that that thousands of migrants, you know, who, are, you know, have crossed the border. Cummings, a Maryland Democrat who leads the House Oversight and Reform Committee, says everyone in the country should be able to agree that anyone in U.S. custody Government custody should be treated humanely. A surge in the number of migrants crossing the border has overwhelmed border facilities. The number of people crossing the border dropped in June, but still topped 100,000 people. Now, you guys can go and read this article in this full at the, you know, on Associated Press. So now you and I have discussed this topic before, Terry. Now, what do you think? would be something or some things that would aid in better treatment of these children at the border. And how can this country resurrect itself from what I just spoke about? It's, it's, it's disgusting how these children are being treated. I agree. This is a lose, lose, lose situation. The U.S., with the thousands and thousands coming in, it's almost impossible to accommodate them all. Um, mm-hmm. We should be giving them some sort of education and keeping them busy during the day. At the same time, if we do not, I, I firmly believe this. I've watched documentaries. I've seen interviews. Um, if they're not contained and they come into this country illegally, yes, you hear about the small percentage of successes, but you're not hearing about the deals they're cutting with cartels to become prostitutes, and they don't even know they're going to end up sex slaves. They think they have a job, and it doesn't happen just with the Latinos, but the Chinese. There's a lot of Chinese who come in here illegally, and they end up sex slaves. This yeah, but is they see a they sex don't... trafficking issue that has to be stopped, and they, there needs to be when we contain them, it needs to be more humane. But here's the Here's a catch-22. You have Wayfair walking out because the company, their employees walking out because the company was gonna, company was going to provide furniture to the housing, and they walked out in protest. That mm-hmm. doesn't help us. They need furniture in these in these facilities. 
So, mm-hmm. what, you know, this is emotions are running gambit here. They're, they're dictating policy and that never worked. We have to mm-hmm. deter, we have to deter the illegal aliens by, I think the only way to do it is to, to crack down on the companies hiring them, but you still have the sex trafficking issue that you have to deal with. It has to be deterred so it doesn't happen in the first place. They have yeah, to come well, in legally. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I agree with that. Or they're going to be exploited. If it's not inhumane treatment due to overcrowding in the government facilities, it's the cartels or the, or the coyotes or the people helping them get in illegally. It, when they get here, they're vulnerable. This is not, you know, the end of the rainbow. And yeah, that's what exactly. they're led to believe. And when they get here, it's a harsh reality. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, they find out that this is not really the, the, you know, the, the land of the free and all of that, um, unfortunately. But the thing is, is that the only, um, nationality that, um, that is talked about that's coming into this country are Latina. They never talk no, about China. No, there's lots of Chinese too. They're just yeah, not they, focusing on it. They, they never talk about the other nationalities, well, and there's plenty of them that comes in here from, from Italy and Chinese and, and all of this, you know, they're, they're all coming in into this country because they think that this is the, their, their end all be all, as you had said before. However, I do believe in, you know, that there should be a right to citizenship. I do believe that they should come in here legally. Okay. I do believe that. I don't believe that anyone who, uh, wants to come into this country and make a, 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 a life for themselves that they would be a participating, um, uh, law-abiding uh, citizen of this country, then they come on in because, you know, we were built, this country was built, <laughs> okay, by immigration. That for, 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 uh, foremost, it was built by slaves, people who were made to come over here, you know, so the, the country was built by that. But all I'm saying is that if you're looking for, um, you know, some way to, to you know, to come over and, and you want a better life, I think that should be. However, I also believe that uh, this country knows why these people are bleeding out of their country. This is something else that needs to be addressed, uh, Terry. You know, that, you know, what is the reason that these people are coming over here in droves? Well, what is, for, what is the problem? You know, the un, there may be unrest in their country, but let's face it, in, and I've spent a lot of time in Mexico, um, they believe that the streets are paved with gold here. They they don't know any better. They think there's going to be so many opportunities, and sometimes there are, but um, they think it's going to solve all their problems, you know, yeah, financially, yeah. economically. Yeah, that's because- and I mean, I under, you know, I understand that, uh, Terry, because, you know, these people are just like, you know, we're all red and white corpuscular human beings. That's another thing. Okay. We're all God's children. There's no difference, um, um, in us. Okay. Um, so the, the thing is, is that yes, they do think that they're, um, that, that, that the streets are aligned with gold. They're looking for an opportunity just like anyone else. They basically want what we want. They want to provide for their families. They want to be able to, um, uh, uh, buy food for their families. They want to be able to send their kids to schools. They want to be able to, um, uh, you know, send their kids to colleges, uh, buy a home. You know, they want all of the basic things in life. And I don't think that there's nothing wrong with that. All I'm saying is that there do needs to be a, a pathway to citizenship. But what I'm talking about, uh, primarily, um, in this case, 
is that it's a shame that this person sitting in the White House that slaves built separated the children from their parents. And then he's going to try to backpedal, backpedal and say that, you know, one of the greatest presidents we ever had, President Barack Obama, oh, he did the same. My thing is people don't know any better and they'll believe that, which he did not. Now, I will say that President Barack Obama did, you know, excise a lot of people out of here because they did not come in here with what you're just saying legally. So he was definitely adhering to the law. All right. So he was adhering to the law. He is an attorney. He was a fabulous attorney, you know, taught the Constitution, something that Trump has no idea about, probably can't even spell Constitution. So he did do that. However, he did not separate the families from the children, um, you know, children from their parents. I'm sorry. That is something that is really bad. And that is something that this country is going to pay for deeply down the road. That's what I'm saying, Terry. It's scary. I agree, but there still has to be regulation because, for example, China has a population of 1.4 billion people. Yes. Now, if if the bottom socioeconomic status, although it is a communist country, but if we have 10 million people decide they're going to relocate from China to here, we can't accept them all. It's impossible. So we have to have, there have to be boundaries, just like every other country has. We couldn't go relocate to another country without going through, uh, you know. If you compare Mexico and U.S., there's much more regulations and restrictions to relocating and becoming a, a citizen of Mexico than there is becoming a citizen of the U.S. So it has to be, there has to be regulation. Yes, or, it does. Know, it will cripple our economic system. I mean, there's oh, no absolutely. way we can take in yeah. the world. It is is no, I know we can't take in the world. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying what I just said. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, I no, I'm I not, agree. I just you know, yeah. there's no there's no easy answer. No. But the thing is is that it needs to be started on. And instead of instead of, for example, the Democrats, uh Ocasio Cortez and and uh, uh, Kamala Harris, who I, I will say I'm not a fan of, starting, you know, crap. These are the things that they need to be working on. I'm happy that they're working on that that bill so that, you know, people who are in jail, they can, um, you know, have a, a better leg up when they come back and they want to be um, gainfully infused in back into society. OK, fine. I'm all for that. However, you know, the premise of a, of a lot of stuff that, as you're saying, that Ocasio-Cortez doing is I am not a fan of, and I'm just going to say that right now. I'm not a fan of hers or Kamala Harris or uh, Bernie Sanders or, or Buttigieg. So there, I've said it. I'm not. I'm not a fan. Okay. So, uh, but I I just think that we really need to get a hold on this, um, uh, uh, Terry, because you know we do need the immigrants, um, you know, in this country, you know, because if we don't uh, have, you know. Uh, immigrants and things like that in our country um terry you know our our it, it'll it will you're talking about affecting our economic system it'll it will affect our <clears throat> excuse me our economic system if we don't you know so i have about thanks for that conversation terry that was really good <laughs> now i have i have about four minutes time goes by fast doesn't it now yes, yes it goes by fast 
Okay, now the former vice president, Joe Biden, still leads in the polls, but he's increasingly challenged by a trio of other top tier candidates. That's what, um, you know, that, that is, that is being reported by Ariel Edwards Levy and, and, um, on Huffington Post, uh, 7-9-2019. Now they're saying that the Democratic presidential party is no longer dominated by a single unequivocal front runner. Last week's polling suggests breaking the months of uh, relative uh, stasis during which former Vice President Joe Biden carried an extensive lead over the rest of the field. Because I, you know, I'm going to have to uh, cut this a little short, but I do want to uh, get your take on it. I just want to say initially is that um, I don't believe in all of these polling things. And, and statistics, because, you know, you can you can massage the, you know, polls and, and, and statistics in order to sway people in the way that you want them to be swayed. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, with this one saying that, um, you know, uh, uh, Biden, who has survived controversies over his behavior toward women and his comments on segregationist leaders, which I have already and you and, and I have already talked about without Notable dense isn't exactly catering now. He's still at the top of virtually all national polls, people, nor does he seem to have picked up much newfound in, uh, enmity among voters. But the first primary debates appears to have gone some way toward leveling off a top tier among the Democratic contenders. What I want to say about that, Terry, and I'd like to hear your your uh, comment um, quickly, is that um we still have time. Okay. We still have time. This is not the time to say, Oh, you know, uh, this is happening and, and this, this person is going to, you know, do this or, or do that. You know, we still have time. You never know what, what is, what is going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying, Terry? I do. You know, I, I'm, I'm put off that we, I, I firmly believe Trump was elected because Hillary Clinton, the American people did not want Hillary Clinton. And the Democrat Party did not listen to their members. And Hillary Clinton was the front runner. And that backfired. Um, I have a feeling that um, Joe Biden may not be able to bounce back. I think he needs, the Democrat Party should have plan B. And I'm not talking about the socialist um, group that's emerged of Harris and Cortez. Um, of course, Cortez is not running, but that that type of ideology, Sanders. Um, mm-hmm. But we need somebody with creative ideas. Oh. I don't know that Biden has them anymore. Yeah, we, we okay. can see. I mean, his people will be preparing him for the next debate, but um, yeah. I'm concerned we're going to have okay. Trump again for another four years. No, I, 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 I beg to differ. But guess what? I am totally, totally uh, out of time. But I do just want to say one thing um, is that let's not forget that the Electoral College put uh, Trump in. He did not win by the popular and he did not win by the, the regular vote. I want to keep reminding people of that. Thank you, Terry Griffiths, for it, uh, coming on with me. This was a fabulous discussion. Uh, you'll have to be on with, with me again. I am so over time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, for, for dealing with me. I'll see you guys, um, in the month of August, the first Thursday. You guys make it a great one. Be safe. I love you. Thank you for listening. This is Teresa E. Keys. Have a great day. <laughs>